Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson, and this week we are leaning in to summer goodness. Solstice is right around the corner, and whether you're living it up at the beach or you worked 40 hours this week like me, odds are you're still managing to squeeze in some warm weather whimsy. Coming up, WXPN's Kristen Curtis is going to share some of her favorite songs of the season. But first, summer books. You knew it was coming. Yes, there is a new Taylor Jenkins Reid novel out. Yes, Jasmine Guillory's newest rom-com will be here in no time. And yes, I will keep telling you to read Great Circle because it is a really great book. But there is so much more stuff out there. And here to yell about great books with me is Liberty Hardy. She's a senior contributing editor for Book Riot and host of the All the Books podcast. She is her own hype person. She reads (laughs) hundreds of books a year and she's here to tell us about some of her faves. Liberty, hey. Hello. I am waving my arms in my office. You you just have to trust me. I really am. I got Muppet arms going on. I'm so excited to talk about these books. (laughs) So before we start specific titles, uh, how many books have you read so far? We're like in June, probably a couple hundred, right? Uh, I'm a little over 300 now, I think. Good Lord. That's wild. I'm at 47. (laughs) That's that's amazing. You know, I mean, this is what I do for a living. That's, you know, know, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. So Liberty, what do you got? All right. I'm going to kick it off with. One of the funniest books that I've read in a really long time, but it's also one of the most heart-squeezing, saddest books I've also read, so hmm. it is just everything, and it's just amazing. It's called Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead by Emily Austin. It comes out July 6th, and first of all, that title, right? I am a sucker for books that have titles that sound like Modest Mouse songs. Like I will <laughs> I gravitate towards those immediately, so that is why I picked this up. And it's about uh, a woman named Gilda. She's a 20-something, animal-loving, lesbian atheist. Uh, she And she's also, like, depressed. She's anxious. And she fixates on death. She thinks about death all the time. Uh, mm. And she's, she's had kind of a tough time growing up. Her parents were very strict. They were very religious. Uh, they are not accepting of her sexuality. They tell her, like, it's a phase and they don't want to hear about it and she's going to get over it. And she's she's having a hard time in her life. Uh, she's she's but she's so kind and she's so funny and she like apologizes all the time for everything. At the very beginning of the book, she gets in a car accident. It's not her fault, and her arm is broken. And she's like apologizing to the EMTs for like calling them out and like you know people having to help her and all the stuff. And and she's just a sweetie, and she really needs a job. And through a series of misunderstandings, she winds up in the office at a Catholic church and the priest there thinks she's applying for the receptionist position and he hires her. And she's (laughs) like, yeah, okay, I need a job. I can do this. And so all of a sudden she finds herself in this position. And now she learns that the woman whose job 
she has taken over has died. Her name was Grace, and she died. And then they they all at the church find out that Grace might have even been murdered. And yeah. so Gilda oh. decides to investigate for herself. It is wow. it's so dry and so funny, but also like just crushing. Um, and it also hmm. has my new favorite last line in a book. It's just Ooh. it's fantastic. Wow. I can tell how much you like it because you went from yelling about it to being like, it's so good. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm going to start talking about this and only dogs are going to be able to hear me because I'm just like, ah! so fun. It sounds good. And you're totally right about the Modest Mouse song title. That <laughs> okay, so what else you got? Uh, my next pick is For Your Own Good by Samantha Downing, which comes out on July 20th, which is, this is like a perfect beach read. This mm. is a deliciously, unapologetically nasty thriller about a prestigious academy. Oh, yep. I'm all in. For high school students called Belmont Academy. Yep, that's all it took. And at the beginning of the book, the main character, Teddy Crutcher, has just won Teacher of the Year. And some of the other teachers are jealous, and he, like, is not surprised at all because he thinks he is the best. But Teddy is also a psychopath. He hates his students, like, really hates his students, like, actively conspires against them when he feels like they have crossed him. He has gotten people um, kicked out of college. He is failing one of his students because he doesn't like him. And he's married, but nobody has seen his wife in a long time. Hmm. Uh, And then a mother dies at a school event. And now they don't know who killed her or if she was even the intended victim, but a lot more deaths are going to follow. It is so over the top, you can't take it seriously. And that is what makes it so fun because <laughs> it's just it's just ridiculous, murderous mayhem. The main, there are five main characters and they all narrate the book. And it's one of those amazing books where like an offhand comment or a little thing that you learn at the beginning might be something that was really important that you need to know at the end of the book and Downing just sort of does this fabulous job of pulling all the strings together at the very end. Like, you didn't even realize all these things were so important. And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. It's so much fun. But, yeah, just I feel kind of like a a weirdo recommending it now because I'm like, this is so demented. Like, look at you I mean, it does sound (laughs) grim, but I don't know. I get it. It's like... I think, you know, speaking of the beach read thing, it's like just to have something that will completely capture your imagination yeah. and you can just like power through it is just a delight. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's almost it's Even like cartoonish, it's you know, it's yeah. like it's there's no way anything like this could ever really happen. So that's what makes it. So you okay might as to well read. just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I could see that. Yeah. Um, what else do you have to recommend? Uh, my next one is a good beach read, but it is 544 pages long. Nice. It's called Lights Out in Lincolnwood by mm. Jeffrey Rodkey. It comes out July 6th, and it's basically 544 pages about the power going out in this this area <laughs> of New Jersey. And at first I was like, there's no way this is going to hold up. And it did yeah. the whole time. It was so interesting. It's about wow. this suburban family in Lincolnwood, New Jersey. There's like Dan, the father, is a lawyer. Jen, the mother, is a stay-at-home mom uh, who has started day drinking. Uh, and she's trying to hide that from her family. Chloe, mm. the daughter, is 17. And Max is a freshman in high school. And at the beginning of the book, they get up this one day. It's business as usual. You know, like Max is mad at this other kid in his class. Chloe's got all this drama going on. You know, Jen's already pouring a drink. But then the power goes out and stays out and stays out and stays out. And it goes on for days and days and days. And 
things start to get very tense because sure, sure. they're like, what are we going to do? And they have to like spend time together and they have to like go do things and they're unable to communicate with each other while they're gone. So like if something happened, like they wouldn't oh, know yeah. and like the stress of all that, how are they going to manage to survive? It's very realistic. I found, you know, having not ever been in a power outage for, you know, months at a time, but it just, it's really good. Well, like, of course, initially you'd be like, well, a power outage, that's not that big of a deal. But like over time, especially given how much we rely on all that stuff these days, yeah. like, you know, I think it, yeah, I think you could build a lot of drama around that. That sounds yeah. very intriguing. Like they let the kids go over to their friends' homes and then they're like, I can't contact them if something happens or if something happens there, they can't contact us or they can't call for help, yeah. you know, and that's not something that used to be a problem. You know, it's like right. a lot of stuff to think about. Yeah, that's wild. What's next? The next one is a flat-out horror novel that I love called When the Reckoning Comes by LaTanya McQueen. It comes out August 3rd. It's about a young black woman named Mira. Mira grew up very poor in a small southern town. Her best friends were Jesse, a young black man, and Celine, a young white woman. And they bonded over their situation. They were like the poorest kids in school, and they got picked on a lot. Uh, Mira and Jesse were picked on for hanging out with a white girl, she, Celine was picked on for having black best friends. And in high school, they, Mira and Jesse decide on sort of like a dare kind of whim to visit this supposedly haunted abandoned plantation out in the middle of oh, the woods wow. where it is rumored that many slaves died and were buried. Uh, and while they're out there, like Celine chickens out. She decides at the last minute she's not going to go. So it's just Mira and Jesse out there. And while they're out there, uh, Mira sees something and Jesse ends up getting arrested for murder mm. and it all it's all like very confusing i can't give any more of that away but uh as soon as mira is able to she leaves town she moves away she has her own life she doesn't look back but then 10 years later she gets an invitation to celine's wedding she hasn't talked to celine since since high school but they were like the closest of friends uh, hmm. But then she finds out that Celine is getting married at that plantation. And she really can't oh. believe that Celine would hold her wedding at a plantation. She can't believe that Celine would invite her to go to this yeah, wedding. Wow. But she finds out that Jesse is going to be there and she wants to reconnect with him. So she goes to the wedding and it's even worse than she imagined. Everyone assumes that she's the help. And oh, she can't wait to leave uh, as soon as possible. But the past has other ideas for her and the guests. It's an excellent look at this country's history, as well as cultural appropriation and historical erasure, but it's also just a damn scary book. <laughs> that sounds scary. That sounds wild. It's really, really, really intense. <laughs> okay, so what's next? All right. Uh, this one might be the best novel of the year. I'm just going to put that oh, out there right now. Wow. Okay. At That's least the best novel of the last half of the year, but maybe the whole year. It's called Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. It comes out August 3rd. It's a debut novel. It's about the Pacific Northwest in 1977. Rich Gunderson is the fourth generation in his family to be a logger. It's a dangerous job, you know, like bringing down all these trees. Uh, he has a wife, Colleen, and a six-year-old son named Chubb. Uh, Colleen has just had another miscarriage, which almost cost her her life. Uh, she really wants a large family, but she has she's had several miscarriages, and Rich has decided, like, that's enough. Like, he's he doesn't want her to try anymore. And they realize, like, the whole town is full of women who are having miscarriages, uh, and they think it's related to the pesticides that are being spread around by the logging company. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Uh, so they're kind of like looking, Colleen is looking into that, you know, and she's also determined to have a baby, even though Rich says no more. Meanwhile, Rich takes all of their savings and spends it on a parcel of land. And he doesn't tell Colleen about it because he knows she was counting on this money for their future. But he thinks that if he can clear this whole parcel of land, it'll be enough money so that Chubbs will not have to do the work that he does. Like, he'll be, like, the first in his family not to be a logger. Uh, it's this incredible story that it, it's being compared to John Steinbeck, and as someone who had wow. a cat named Steinbeck, I usually just brush <laughs> off those comparisons, but I think it's actually worthy. And it's just this incredible novel about two people who might lose everything that they have to get what they want. It's hmm. amazing. Wow, that sounds really good. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got one more, right? What one more! I'm going to end with <laughs> My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones, which comes Great out August title. 31st. He has written many horror novels, including uh, Mongrels and uh, The Only Good Indians. And this one is sort of a meta horror novel because it's about Jade. She is a half-Indian teen who uh, goes to high school and is also a custodian at the high school on the weekends uh, because she needs the money because she lives with her abusive dad who mm-hmm. has no money and, and doesn't work very often. And she's got it pretty tough. Uh, and her only, her only solace in life are horror movies. She is a horror movie obsessive. Mm. She knows the ins and outs. She writes, like, essays about them in class, even when that's not the homework assignment. She's keeping, like, track of all these horror movies. And she gets this weird feeling that something is going to happen in their town. She's pretty sure that something is coming. It's going to come out of the lake. It's going to come out of the woods. There's, like, an abandoned camp. There's, like, all, like, the horror movie tropes, like, set up in this town for one of those things to happen. And in between the chapters of this story are her essays about horror movie tropes and survival. And I just have to tell you that I love horror, and I decided to get a subscription to um, that horror movie channel, um, Shudder. That's it. And I was like... I, you know, I've never seen uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I've never seen Friday the 13th. I'm like, I'm going to watch all these horror movies. And the day after I subscribed, I read this book. And he spoils like 250 horror movies <laughs> in this book. No lie. And like, I know like, you know, Friday the 13th has been out for like 30 years. But I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> so did you cancel the subscription? No, no. <laughs> There's still some other things to watch. But like, yeah, if you love horror movies and you haven't seen very many, he knows his stuff. And so it's it's incredible. It's wild. It's that's the best word for it. Is wild. Just all kinds of wild wow. stuff happens. Wow, that sounds wild. Yeah, I feel like that's such a great like combination of genres and all kinds of stuff that you just gave us. It's like something for everybody in there. Yeah, a little apocalypse, a little horror. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of terrifying. There's some yeah. like nice stuff in there too, though. <laughs> Well, Liberty, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. I love being here, and thank you for having me. All right, now you've got some beachy books to choose from, but what about your summer soundtrack? Well, we've got you covered for that, too, right after the break. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I hate the winter, can't stand the cold. 
Summer is a whole vibe, and you need a soundtrack to keep you company. But when the heat comes, something takes a hold. So next up, we're going to help you build a soundtrack for your summer. Whatever playlist you make, I for sure hope the new Lord song is on your radar because it is amazing. It's even called Solar Power. I mean, come on, that is such a vibe. Here to recommend some other new music to listen to this summer is Kristen Curtis. She's the morning host and assistant music director at WXPN, which is a non-commercial music station in Philadelphia. Kristen, hey. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here, Greta. Ugh, thrilled to have you. Okay, so... Before we get into some specific picks, which I'm very excited to talk to you about, what do you think makes a great summer song? Mm, I think you already said the key word, vibes. I think that, (laughs) right? That can go in a number of ways. You might want something that actually sounds like you're on an island or you want something that you can like blast on the car with the windows down. Yes. Yeah. Like you just need something that makes you feel alive and free. And I think that a lot of different things can give you that feeling. Mm, I love the way you put that. Okay, so what did you bring us? All right. So first and foremost, my favorite new artist of 2021 is a 21-year-old musician from Panama named Sofia Valdez. She just released this EP called Ventura, and it is a gorgeous blend of genres from bossa nova to Motown to British folk. It's sunny and breezy with unique lyrics and her sweet voice, and it feels effortless, but she's actually been working on these songs for years. I could go on and on about Sophia. I think she is the real deal and somebody to watch for sure. I love this song so much. I feel like you like we didn't even talk about what I normally like, but this is perfect. Like and it's such a great song. It's like walking down the street, looking around like it's just perfect. Exactly. I really try to refrain from comparing a new artist to one that we are all in love with. But there's something about the way that Sophia approaches writing and performing music that kind of reminds me of like a Frank era Amy Winehouse. Just some kind of compulsion. Yeah, you've got to see her. She's great. Oh, that's so exciting. Okay, so what's another one? Uh, next up, I you have to talk about the new St. Vincent album, Daddy's Home. Number six from Annie Clark, second with producer Jack Antonoff, inspired by her father's 2019 release from prison and his record collection, specifically the psychedelic soul coming out of New York City in the 70s. I feel like you can hear the temptations and Steely Dan in here. And speaking of feeling like you're just wandering around cities, like that's the vibe I get from this record or maybe like you're on a hot sticky ride <laughs> on the subway system. But yeah, I get that vibe from this whole record. Totally. Let's listen to a song. Here's down. It's so interesting. 
interesting. I don't think sticky is a word I would have used, but you're totally right. There is like a humidity to it that's really satisfying. Exactly. It certainly feels like you're riding around in a non-air conditioned taxi cab in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That album is so interesting, too. I was listening to some other songs yesterday and there's like some real Pink Floyd vibes that I was not expecting, but really enjoyed. Same. Some real psychedelic headspace there that's really good for zoning out to. Yeah. It's perfect. Okay, what's next? Uh, next, let's talk about Twin Shadow, who's been around since 2010, but we haven't heard from him since 2018. And really, we're used to more of a synthy sound from this gentleman, whose real name is George Lewis Jr. But this song feels more like the Caribbean. He was born in the Dominican Republic, so I'm wondering if he's tapping back into his roots there a little bit, inspired from uh, photos that were taken in like southeastern Texas in the 70s. Again, going back to the 70s here for inspiration, but it's um, written about a perspective of two men who are in love, who are running away to New Orleans in search of a better life. And frankly, as we all come out of lockdown here, who doesn't want to run away and experience something new? So I feel like this song has all of those vibes. This is um, Johnny and Johnny I brought for you. Johnny Rock, Johnny Roll, Johnny's ticket kit on my soul, Johnny Star, Johnny Gold. Johnny taking care of my soul. Johnny Rock, Johnny Roll. Yeah, that definitely has like a beachy breeze to it for sure. Yes, I just want to be dancing in the sand right now and watching people play volleyball. Yes, I want that. Oh my God, that's something we can actually have, isn't it? Oh, it feels so good to know that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's next? Let's talk about Bachelor, which is a new super group, a duo, in fact, of JSOM, which is the stage name of Melina Duterte, and Palehound, which was originally a one-person band from Ellen Kempner. They've been friends for a few years. They had teamed up just before the pandemic set it in to record this album together, and they ended up mostly doing it while in lockdown. But this one, uh, this one has like Pixies vibes to it for some of the songs. Other ones just have these really wicked and weird, catchy guitar riffs. And you want to talk about blasting a song while you're riding around with your windows down over a hot summer night. This Bachelor record, Doom and Sun, is the one, yeah. Man, I love that, too. You know, it also kind of reminds me of the Breeders, which I guess makes sense since you mentioned the Pixies, Kim Dale and everything. Kim Dale, yeah. She's oh, so rad. Awesome. Yeah. Right? Okay, so you brought us one more pick. What is it? I did. It is a song from an artist who was born in Hawaii and um, is from Zimbabwe as well. Her name is Shun Gudzo. And I never watched a whole lot of MTV's Real World, but if you watch the San Diego season in 2011, she was on that. Am I not cute enough? What's the deal? I have a boyfriend. Yeah, she's got a really storied history before releasing this debut record on her own. She's been writing music for other people like Jessie Ware, but it's so interesting to know that she's also an actress and a philanthropist. 
and actually first came to the public consciousness as the first female of color to represent Zimbabwe in the artistic gymnastics at the 1999 All-Africa Games. So she has a lot of cred. Yeah, coming to us with this song, which um, I honestly, I kind of wish we had over the summer of 2020, but it's okay because even though we kind of focus on like rage culture and things that are happening in the news, it's really important to remember when there's not necessarily something in the headlines that it's still important to fight and to have that reminder be really pleasant. I woke up feeling great The birds are in the trees They're singing me a melody La 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 Fuck the police My head is on straight My heart is in peace My soul is incredibly Ready to change history It's a good day to fight the system, to fight the system. I see what you mean about wishing it had existed last summer, but I feel like it's when it, like it's going to be timeless, right? I mean, partly because there's always systems to fight, but also just because it's a great tune. Exactly. Yeah, I wish we could have had it as a soundtrack while marching down streets last summer, but there will always be something to fight for, and I'm glad to have that in our back pocket now. Totally. Kristen, thank you so much. What a great soundtrack for the summer. All right. Thanks, Greta. Bye. I'll talk to you later. That's it for this week. If you want to keep in touch with the show, we are at Nerd at Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Greta M. Johnson on Instagram and Twitter. And our producer, Isabel, is on Twitter at Isabel T. Carter. Also, we have a newsletter. It's pretty great. You can get hot links for stuff to do, book club updates, and learn stuff about old Nerdette episodes. You can sign up for it at wbez.org slash AF. The show is produced by me and Isabel Carter. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. We will see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.